uh, that you have given us your word that, Lord, it, it holds all the truth um, for our lives, for us to live according to your will. Lord, I pray that you would open up our hearts, you'd open up our minds to it this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hallelujah. Well, how about that? I, um, I, I couldn't help but notice when the pastor was there, um, we had prayer intercession night, and then he said, uh, chili cook off a bingo banana, and they were cheering and running. So I, I haven't been doing a good enough job in my um, house of prayer series yet, because uh, uh, maybe we should call it prayer and intercession bonanza. Uh, and get you a cheer. Tuesday night prayer and intercession bonanza. Uh, so you get, to, you get to be a part of that. Fantastic. Uh, awesome. All right. Well, uh, this morning we're going to continue uh, our study on the subject of prayer. We've been at it for a little while. Then we'll take a couple weeks off and then return to it. So just as FYI. But to get us focused on moving, would you stand with me, please, in honor of the Word of God? We're going to read together 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. I'll read the plain text if you'll join me in reading the highlighted portion. That way we'll walk through the passage together. 1 Thessalonians 5, beginning at verse 16, this is what the Bible says. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Can we do that one more time? Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord, this is the word of the Lord, and you may be seated. Now I want to focus our attention this morning uh, on verse 17, where the Bible says here, pray continually, which frankly is an awful lot of prayer. And it implies pretty strongly that prayer is central to who you are. Prayer is central to how you're supposed to live. But before I get into that, I do want to make sure you notice that this injunction to pray continually comes immediately after the injunction to be joyful always. And if you're sitting there reading that and thinking to yourself, how in the world can I be joyful always? How in the world can I rejoice always? The answer is you can rejoice always once you begin to pray continually. Prayer rightly understood, we've been talking about this for a while now, is drawing near to God in order to commune with God. And there in the presence of God, you will find fullness of joy. In genuine communion with the Lord, sorrows and sighing flee away. Or at the very least, in genuine communion with God, sorrows and sighing begin to melt away. But either way, in the presence of God, those things cannot linger and maintain their grip on you. The Bible says rejoice always. The Bible says give thanks in all circumstances. And wedged in right between the two is the key to joyfulness and thankfulness. Pray continually. So this morning our focus is on this verse right in the middle of the three, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray continually, or some of you may have already learned it before in the past, pray without ceasing. Say pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. One more time, pray without ceasing. And just like that, you have now memorized a verse of the Bible this morning. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing, which as I mentioned a little bit earlier, is an awful lot of praying. And yet it's right there in black and white, 
The Bible says pray without ceasing. So I want to take a few minutes this morning to think together about what this verse means and what it's trying to say to you. The very first thing I want you to understand is that if the Lord wants you to pray without ceasing, listen, if the Lord wants you to pray without ceasing, then prayer as God intends it cannot possibly be, first and foremost, about words. It can't possibly always involve speaking. It can't possibly always involve your voice. It means whatever prayer is, at its heart, it must be something more than just talking to God or asking Him for something. And that means, at the very least, that prayer doesn't always have to be spoken out loud. If you've ever wondered about that, don't wonder about it anymore. You can pray silently in your heart. You can pray silently in your mind. And it is absolutely just as valid a prayer as if someone prayed it out loud. The Bible says pray without ceasing. Yet it's obvious God did not design your vocal cords to be in a perpetual state of vibration. There's a story in the Old Testament about a woman named Hannah who was deeply grieved in her spirit. She wanted a child so badly, but she'd never been able to have one. Then one day, she was sitting alone, pressing into God in prayer, pouring out her heart to God in prayer, opening up and expressing pain in prayer. The Bible says she was weeping and praying and pouring out her soul to the Lord, but the Bible goes on to say, Hannah was praying in her heart. Her lips were moving, but her voice was not. In other words, she was making no audible sounds at all, but God heard her anyway. Not too long after that, Hannah conceived, gave birth to a son. Listen, it is good to pray out loud. You should never be afraid to pray out loud. You should never be ashamed to pray out loud. Sometimes when I'm alone praying, it actually helps me focus to pray out loud. But God doesn't need you to pray out loud in order for Him to hear you. And since He wants you to pray without ceasing, well, frankly, it would be weird and pretty annoying if every Christian everywhere went around praying out loud all the time. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to sit beside them in a movie theater. So to pray without ceasing means, has to mean, that prayer doesn't always require speaking out loud. Let me push it a little bit further. Because to pray without ceasing also has to mean that prayer doesn't always require speaking out uh, in your heart either. In other words, prayer doesn't necessarily require words at all. It is a fundamental misunderstanding of prayer. Listen. It's a fundamental misunderstanding of prayer to think of it exclusively as talking to God. Far too many people, I think, are far too apt to babble in prayer, to blabber in prayer. Reminds me of Jesus' admonition. When you pray, Jesus said, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. If prayer is about communing with God, then too much talking is frankly 
Have you ever known somebody who talks too much? Don't, don't point. Stop. You ever known someone like that? They, they, they talk to, they, they start, they take off, and they don't even breathe, and they just talk, and they go. And, and, and sometimes it's as if uh, uh, they, it doesn't look like they care if you're interested. It doesn't look like they, they care even if you're listening. For them, it's all about the talking. It's not about connecting or communing. They're 100% into the, whatever it is they want to say, and, which means they're 0% into you as the listener. It's hard to commune with people like that. The word communion actually comes from a combination of the words common and union. And that's really the goal of communion, to, to come together, no matter where you started, to come together in a place of common union with one another. A place of mutual understanding and appreciation. In the end, you still may not agree on everything. But you, and you should understand each other better and love and appreciate each other better. Communion is about authentic and mutual exchange, which actually requires a good deal of listening, which you can't do if you're always talking. It means it's impossible for you to pray without ever actually saying a word, whether out loud or in your heart. Because remember, prayer is not about asking for stuff. We've covered this. In part because prayer is not about talking. Prayer is about communing with God. Drawing near to God. Pressing into God. Talking, yes, absolutely. But listening as well. And sometimes, just sitting there in His presence. Enjoying His presence. Being healed and changed by his presence without particularly talking or listening. Last week we looked at Romans 12, 12, which concludes, be faithful in prayer or devote yourself to prayer. And last week I introduced you to the Greek word there for prayer, prosauke. It means to go to or to come to, to go toward or to draw near. It's prayer, first and foremost, as drawing near to the Lord. It's going to God more than it is talking to God. And it's the verb form of that word prosauke that's used here in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. To pray without ceasing then literally means to go toward God or to draw near God without ceasing. In other words, it's an instruction to never stop pressing into the Lord. And you can do that without ever saying a single word. Prayer as the Lord intends it isn't asking God for stuff and it's not telling God stuff either. It's drawing near to commune with Him and experience Him in His presence. When Melissa and I first got married way back in 1867, it used to really, really annoy her, drive her a little bit crazy because I always wanted her to be around. No matter what I was doing, I wanted her to be around. If I was completely doing something that had nothing to do with her, I wanted her to be around. I'd be working on something in my office and say, honey, come in here and sit with me. And she'd always say, why? You're not paying attention to me. You're, you're working on this. You're working on that. And I would always respond, but I love having you around. I just love being near you. Now, I don't know if you've ever felt that way or if I'm just a big old weirdo. But I believe there's something real and powerful just about being in someone's presence 
And how much more real and powerful when that someone is the Lord of heaven and earth. Prayer is communing with God, drawing near to God, being really, truly present with God. Whether or not you say anything. Whether or not He says anything. You're just ready. Ready to speak, ready to listen if the opportunity happens to arise. Charles Spurgeon is a famous uh, pastor from the 1800s in England. He once said this, We may speak a thousand words which seem to be prayer and yet never pray. On the other hand, crying to God's ear most effectively and yet never say a word. Listen, if you're going to pray with ceasing, you're going to have to pray much of the time without using any words at all. Silence, including quietness of heart and mind, can be just as much a tool of prayer as words. Secondly, if you're going to pray without ceasing, that must also mean that neither place nor posture are especially essential to prayer. It may help you focus a lot of the times to close your eyes and bow your heads. I often say, close your, would you close your eyes and bow your heads? But please don't assume this posture in prayer if you're going to pray while driving a car. Closing your eyes and bowing your heads are great ways to close out distractions, but they're not required in order to pray. In fact, I would suggest if you're going to pray for someone and they're right there with you, I'd encourage you not to close your eyes at all. Keep your eyes open and look at them while you're praying. If you're praying for their healing, if you're praying for their encouragement, if you're praying for their comfort, if you're praying, keep your eyes open and look at them. That, that allows you to see if the Holy Spirit begins to move on them or shows you how they're responding or reacting to your prayers. Maybe they begin to tremble. Maybe they begin to tear up. You can see the Spirit of God sometimes beginning to act and move through your prayers if you keep your eyes open. Many years ago when I was in high school, I had a pastor who has, as a personal policy, refused to read his Bible in the bathroom because he considered the setting inappropriate as a place to meet with the Lord. Now, i got to tell you, I greatly admire this man. And I absolutely, deeply appreciate the sentiment. And let me say very clearly, I believe it's wise to set aside a special place or a designated time for prayer and study and communion with the Lord special room, a special chair that's designated as your prayer place, your prayer closet, that serves as a sort of private sanctuary for you to meet with the Lord. I think that's wise. But if you're going to commune with God without ceasing, then you can commune with Him even in the bathroom. Or else, you may never again go to the bathroom. And I leave it to you to decide which of those options God has in mind. Having said that, however, let me be clear, nothing, nothing, please listen, nothing about what I'm saying should encourage you in any way to be or frivolous or carelessly casual about being in the presence of God. When you come to God through Jesus, God becomes your father, your friend, but he does not stop being the Lord God Almighty, the holy, holy, holy one, maker of heaven and earth. God is not your dorm buddy. He's not your frat brother, and he's not your bestie. 
Don't ever take lightly the presence of God. Don't ever take for granted the presence of God. And while I'm on the subject, let me just say a couple of other quick things here. First, to pray without ceasing certainly means you can pray in many different postures. But listen, that does not mean your posture has no bearing on your prayer. Billy Graham often made it his habit to pray on his knees. Moses will frequently be found in the Old Testament praying with his face on the ground. Another typical form of prayer in the Old Testament is crouching or, or squatting in, in the ancient eastern birthing position. You find people in the Bible praying with their hands lifted high and their faces up toward heaven. And while none of those postures is necessary for you to pray, each one of them has an effect on you when you pray. If you've never spent time praying on your knees, I'd encourage you to consider trying it from time to time. Not because it makes your prayers better, not because it makes them more holy, but because the physical act of kneeling does something in your heart. The physical act of kneeling has oftentimes an emotional or spiritual effect on the attitude and the bent of your heart. Second, to pray without ceasing, you can pray in many different places. But that does not mean where you pray is inconsequential. During the week, I often go and get and drive somewhere and park in my car to spend time with the Lord. Fundamentally, because it is the one place I know I can go and be isolated from interruptions and distractions. Just this past week, I was going to meet with someone from the church. I was driving in a park town I, I, I rarely go to anymore and um, hadn't been there in a long time. I was driving to meet this person from the church, and I passed this business park where, where a number of years ago I used to often go and walk and, and pray and spend time with the Lord or sit on the bench and, and read my Bible and spend time. It was just a, it was a gorgeous business park down south part of, part of the city near Fort Mill. Hadn't, hadn't been there in a very long time. Honestly, completely forgotten about it until I drove past it the other day. And driving past it, I was flooded with emotions and memories of time spent with the Lord there. The truth is, you can pray anywhere. But it's often helpful to you to have a designated place where you can go to get along with the Lord. That, that is your prayer place or your prayer closet. Third, and please don't miss this, because to pray without ceasing, listen, to pray without ceasing has to mean you can, you may, you have permission to press into the presence of God anytime, anywhere. Listen, please listen. That means in and through Jesus, because of Jesus and with Jesus, you're always welcome in the presence of God. You're always invited to commune with Him. And if you've never stopped to consider that simple fact, I strongly encourage you to do it today. The Creator God of the universe, the Lord of heaven and earth, God, whom the Bible says dwells in unapproachable light, has given you in Jesus an open invitation, a standing invitation to come right in and march right up to him any time you please. And so, after writing about Jesus and everything, or many of the things Jesus has done for us, the author of Hebrews writes this. 
Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. In most areas of life, the more powerful or more important a person is, the harder it is to gain access to them. You can't just wander into the Oval Office anytime you'd like to. The Old Testament tells about the laws of the ancient empire of Persia where to walk unbidden into the room with a king, unless he instantly extended his scepter to you, meant instant and ignominious death, even if you were his wife. Just think about how hard it would be for you to get meaningful, real access to Donald Trump or Queen Elizabeth, to LeBron James or Bill Gates or Elon Musk or Tom Cruise or Pope Francis. Or honestly, I mean honestly, just think about regular people. I don't know about you, but I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I get tired or frustrated and overwhelmed and I don't want people around me. There are times I come home uh, at the end of the day and I'll go squirrel myself away in the room and the rest of the family's on the other end of the house. I just have kind of decompressed for a little bit before I can handle being around people anymore. Everywhere you look, on buses, on airplanes, in restaurants, wherever, people you'll find people have completely isolated themselves even in public. They've got their earbuds in, they're swiping on their cell phones, and they're acting as if no one in the world is anywhere near them while they're sitting there in public. One of my micro groups the other week, we were talking about how to, how to start a conversation with a stranger. Uh, and we're, we're talking about starting conversations on airplanes. I got to tell you, for the last several years, my experience on airplanes has been that people on airplanes are trying desperately to avoid conversations. They got their headphones on, they got their book or their iPad, uh, whatever kind of device in front of them, and they are powerfully, aggressively sending the vibe please don't talk to me. I heard Tony Campolo talk one time. He used to travel a lot. He said he'd get on an airplane and somebody sat beside him and say, hey, what do you do for a living? He said, if I wanted to talk to him, I'd tell him, oh, I'm a sociology professor. He said, if I didn't want to talk to him, I'd say, oh, I'm a Baptist evangelist. Instantly stopped the conversation right there. Nobody wanted to talk. After that, my point is this. Nobody. Nobody. Whether world famous or completely unknown. Nobody is willing and happy to have you around all the time. Nobody but God. Because when God calls you to pray without ceasing, he's telling you you are always welcome. He's telling you you are always wanted. He's telling you he is always listening. Should your prayers actually end up involving words? In the dead of night, he's not sleeping. At the break of day, he's already up. In the early afternoon, he's not too busy. And at the end of the workday, he's not too tired. As I shared with you last week, my prayers are always answered. God doesn't always answer every question I ask. and He doesn't always grant every request I make. But he always answers when I call him. I've, he, I've never gotten his secretary and he's never let me go through to voicemail. He invites me to pray without ceasing. 
And let me just be very clear. The call to pray without ceasing. The call to approach the throne of grace with confidence is a call, is an invitation for those who have joined God's family, who've come to Him by grace through faith in Jesus and surrendered control of their lives to Jesus. The Bible explains that every one of us came into this world broken and separated from God alienated from God, estranged from God. We were wrapped up in our sin, ourselves and broken by sin, caring about ourselves when we were made for God. And since we couldn't fix ourselves, Jesus came into the world to show us who God is and what He's like, to show us who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to be like, and then to die, to pay for our sin and the separation from God our sin created, so we could be reconciled to God, put back together with God, and the life with God we were designed to live. And all of that means, in order to live this life with God and have this kind of access to God, you must begin by coming to Jesus, surrendering control of your life to Jesus, being changed on the inside by the Holy Spirit. Jesus called it being born again, getting a brand new start on a brand new life. And if you want that, you need to be baptized into Jesus because that's how Jesus said you get started. So if you're here and you want to walk with God, and you want that kind of open access, nonstop access to God, then you need to trust and follow Jesus including his commandment to be baptized. If you're here and you want to follow Jesus and you believe in Jesus and you've never been baptized in water, let me know. We will take care of that right away. Just one more thought as I close. The call to prayer without ceasing has to mean that there will never be a time in your life, listen, there will never be a time in your life when things are too hopeless for you to pray. When things are so far gone and circumstances are so bleak that there is no use for you to pray. God may not always grant your request, but he will never fail to welcome you into his presence and to share with you his love and grace and goodness. There will never be a time when things in your life are too bad or too dark or too hopeless to pray. Because God calls you to pray without ceasing. God invites you to commune with Him all the time, no matter what. There will never be a time in your life when things are too bad to pray, and there will never be a time in your life when you've reached such a state of wisdom or prominence or power or wealth that you no longer need to pray. Just because you've been forgiven and saved doesn't mean you no longer need to pray. Just because you really know your Bible doesn't mean you no longer need to pray. Just because you won the lottery or got that promotion or paid down some debt doesn't mean you no longer need to pray. Just because they dropped the charges or the case was dismissed or somehow all the pressure is off doesn't mean you no longer need to pray. Sometimes when things are going great, some people forget they need to pray. 
But prayer is not about asking God for stuff. It's about connecting and communing with Him. And that's something you always need. Because frankly, that's what you were created for. To pray without ceasing means to pray whatever your circumstances. On good days as well as bad. On great days as well as awful. Pray when the cupboard is bare. And pray when you've got groceries to spare. Because you have been called by God to pray without ceasing. Father, we thank you as always for the power and clarity of your word. And Lord, today as we look at 1 Thessalonians 5.17, we thank you for the staggering instruction, admonition, exhortation, and invitation to pray without ceasing. That we are always welcome. That we are always wanted that you are always listening, that you are always there. Help us to step into this high calling of God, to live lives of prayer and communion with you. And out of that place of communion with you, to share your goodness with the world around us. In Jesus' name.